You're listening to Leaders Unedited with Keo, a monthly podcast where your host and Keo CEO, Margaret Mansfield, sits down with inspiring leaders making waves in Australia and beyond. Welcome to this episode of Leaders Unedited. I'm your host, Margaret Mansfield, and with me I have the General Manager of Digital Technologies at Westrack, Chelsea Gray. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure. Now, you've spent a large part of your career in digital, in tech, in resources, and now you work for a heavy equipment manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And it's fair to say these are pretty male-dominated industries. So I'm curious about how that experience has been for you. Yeah, so I've been reflecting on this and it is one of my favourite subjects. I'm very passionate about um, gender diversity in in these Mm. male-dominated industries. And looking back on my career, I actually feel like I fit in less now than I did in the beginning. So I think when I started out in my career, and I think this is probably experience for, you know, many women, you know, I had a similar experience in terms of my my university degree and similar home life to, to my peers. And although I was often the only woman in the room, you know, I fit in, in the mold in, in many other ways. It's really as I've worked my way through the through my career, and I think in more senior leadership roles that I have sometimes felt more um, more of the odd one out. And that's not to say I haven't had really positive experiences. I you know try to bring my diversity to the table and, and try to remember that that is a strength. But there is an element of realizing that a lot of organisations aren't necessarily set up you know, for women, and particularly. Um, women with children or or just generally people who have you know significant or shared priorities outside mm. outside of work you know how do I deal with that I think you know two ways I, I mentioned that I really like to remember that diversity is a strength and I, and I see that it is I see that I bring unique viewpoints I see that some of the strengths that I have allows us to to move projects forward and then I think the second one is how do I bring more people into that? Uh, and that's something I've been able to do, you know, I guess, I guess more. I felt, I felt I've had more permission to do it as I've moved up with, with mentees and people within my team. And, and how do I help um, women and, and any my minorities feel more at home? Because I think, um, you know, to be productive at work, to really actually enjoy work, you need to feel that you, you do fit in. Mm. I, I do think that's, that's important. Yeah, so that, that's kind of been my my experience and how I deal with it. Wow, interesting journey. And you said earlier that you know how important your diversity is and your different viewpoint. Is it recognised by others? <laughs> um, I think so. So mm. I, I say that, like I, I've had a, a wonderful career. I feel like I've had so much support, so much mentorship, so much sponsorship, so many people behind me helping me get to where I need to get to. And that's from, you know, higher up in organisations that I've been in. It's from my team. Um, you know, I think I've never had, you know, any significant issues where I felt that that diversity isn't valued. I guess why I pause is because I do think, this maybe sounds a little bit arrogant, but sometimes I feel like I fit, I fit the mould of what that, like, you know, I'm not that diverse. I kind of fit what they would like, mm. um, you know, a female leader to look like. And sometimes I see that the diversity of, of other women um, might 
not always be as valued as I think it should be. Uh, and, you know, some of those pieces that they struggle with, you know, the, the likability bind and the expectations of, you know, meeting a certain um, gender stereotype, I suppose, where that doesn't occur, I think it can cause more issues for um, for women than it might for men. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that makes any sense, yes. but I, I think I've been lucky, and I sometimes struggle with this topic because I'm like, well, what do I have to complain about? I've, um, you know, in every job that I've been in, and I've worked in, you know, a really diverse range of industries. I started in management consulting. Uh, I moved into tech at at IINet, um, and then was in in mining, and then uh, then moved to Westrack. And in, in, in every you know, every company I've had, um, you know, I, I have had a very positive mm. experience and mm. I, I think I've been, it's been a, a great journey. So um, from that perspective, I do think organisations are certainly trying to do a lot more and they do, mm. you know, they understand the business case and they understand uh, what could be um, and they're just working out, you know, what that actually looks like mm. in practicality. And I guess you playing a part in helping educate them about what that could look like. So very insightful of you to recognise that you know, diversity is there such a spectrum and some people's experiences might be, um, they might feel they fit in and other people obviously don't and, and you recognise that and are a keen supporter of that. Yeah, yes. and I think that's awareness that I have built over my career. Mm. As I said, probably, mm. you know, when I was younger, I was like, oh, you know, this is all great and, you know, if I, I've had, you know, I think experience that, that all women have probably had in that, being, uh, you know, being asked to change how I, how I dress or um, being, you know, assumed to be more junior when I'm with mm. more junior colleagues and, and some of those, I, get, I think, pretty shared experiences, unfortunately. Uh, but, yeah, overall, there's been a lot of recognition of what my strengths are. Um, I think I've been in an area that has absolutely been growing um, and it's an area that, uh, I, I guess it's a little bit, um, what's the right word, um, boutique, I suppose, in mm. terms of uh, it's a skill set that isn't necessarily widely held, particularly in, you know, mining and, and some of the, uh, you know, f f West Track, for instance, you know, heavy machinery, uh, and trying to bring those skills from other industries and educate people in those areas. You, you kind of have both, yeah, I have that skill set in itself. Um, is unique and the fact that I know very little about um, Caterpillar machinery um, relative to, you know, we, we celebrated one of our execs um, 35 years at West Track today, which is just incredible. And so, you know, the knowledge that they have, uh, you know, is so strong um, and so robust and there's a huge group of people mm. who have that knowledge. Uh, not, you know, it's incredibly valuable knowledge, but I guess I bring different knowledge um, and and I think you know it's a there is a, a strong recognition if we can bring those two things together we can move forward a lot faster. Well that is one your profile did say you have a real passion for blending uh, the analytics with the human you mm. know people's strengths and, mm. and then combining that. Mm -hmm. um, how do you do that? Because I think there's still a fear of technology and information and insights and it's going to replace, you know, the role and the value mm. I add. So how do you how do you do that in your role now, for instance? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's, it's a challenge and I don't think um, by any means I've got it all right. 
but it is making sure that we definitely recognise those two elements. Um, there is a tendency like there is in all types of um, improvement activities and, and even just different areas of organisations to work in silos. And for data and analytics, if you want to turn, you know, the zeros and ones into insights, mm. they, it can't be siloed. Um, you have to have a really clear understanding of the business to, to create this insight. So um, for me, it's first of all, starting with what, what the prize is, like keeping the prize in mind. And to do that, you need strong business knowledge. So it's identifying the people in the organisation who have that mm -hmm. um, and that where they have, I guess, use cases that, that where data will help getting their support first, you know, needs to be the foundation of where we start. And it's only once we, we really understand the problem and, and hopefully, you know, have a view of, of how to solve that, that you can bring the technical people into the, mm. into the equation. I really think that's how it should work. Um, and I think when you can get those two groups working together and really both owning the solution is, is where we get to the results the quickest. Um, you know, the, the alternative is where the business is over the fence. Oh, you know, I need these reportings. I need, I need this reporting. I need these KPIs. I need this whatever. And then you just end up with, um, you know, dashboards, sometimes distrusted data, um, you know, mm. lack of quality. One of the, you know, one of my favourite projects that I've worked on um, was a machine learning project that helps classify the oil samples that we do at Westrat. And what was so fantastic about that project was the leadership in the operational area. So we had an incredibly strong uh, lab laboratory fluid analysis leader mm. that was willing to give time to both, one from a technical team perspective. Mm -hmm. So, you know, help transfer that knowledge so that the, the modelling and, um, and the data elements could be built. But most importantly, that people side of working with his team on the change management and, and you know, making it clear to them this isn't about, you know, getting rid of jobs or removing the work they do, but actually something that can help them be smarter, help them be able to work with customers better. Yeah, and that was the premise. They care so much about the customers. They care so much about um, protecting, uh, stopping the machines from failure, which is the whole point of the fluid analysis. And once they could understand that's why we were doing it, they were much more willing to help and invest yeah. in the solution. That's that's a, a great case study. Um, and you know, I've been working with a team recently that have talked a lot about insight and predictive analytics, but I think I, I get the sense that there's still this, we don't quite understand what insight is mm. or what insight will give us. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, how, do you, how would you describe insight to a group of people who are really kind, kind of saying, we, it's, it's the latest, you know, it's the latest trend, but we have no idea what it is. Yes. Yes. I mean, all, to me, all insight is, is is when data is used to, to help improve decisions, whether that's making them faster, and we can do that by you know, totally automating them or provide like argument or augmenting the leader's knowledge with information that helps them make a decision quickly. And so, or essentially quickly make a better decision as well. It might be, you know, it might take some more time, but unless it's, it's either improving the quality or, or speeding up the time that the decision's been made, then it, it's just information, it's just data. So that's to me what mm. insight, insight means. Um, how do you get there? I think there's a lot to that and it's a lot bigger than just the data side. Um, I think there's absolutely defining the problem mm. um, that businesses, you know, take data out of the equation, have 
some businesses are very good at that piece, others not so much, but having that discipline of working through and saying, we're really, really clear on the problem that we're trying to solve and we really understand what we need to know to actually solve that problem. And I like, you know, working in, in driver trees and it's maybe getting a little bit technical, but I think it's important, what's, what's important to me about that is that you understand what is the minimum amount of information that you need and you can have a relative understanding of what drives that. Because I think with all the information we have and mm. you know all the data that we have, you can get very quickly go down into rabbit holes mm. and you can be looking at things that may be interesting, may be insights, in, but they actually are very small relative to what we actually mm. need to know and um, what the problem that we're trying to solve. Um, so I think those two things, you know, being really clear on the problem mm. and then having a very clear understanding of relativity of the, of the drivers of that problem, mm. that's when you can start to use data to really to have insights. Mm. I have a sense you're very good at asking questions and you ask some really good <laughs> well, questions because no, that would be how you'd get at defining the problem, wouldn't yeah. you, that you ask a lot of questions. Yes, yeah, yeah that's right. I feel a little bit... Um, Offside at all because I'm asking you the questions. Ask the questions after give all the answers. Um, and that was my next question: is how much information is too much information? Because mm. I feel people get really lost mm. in how much information is available. But you've given some good ideas for how you can actually filter out what's important yeah. and what what isn't. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, I I am of the view that more information is always better but I say that in the context of it has to be relative and you have to know where to I say where to stop so you need to know okay what's the minimum amount of information I I want and then you can build from there in terms of how you can make that better uh, and you know there's some amazing advanced analytics that you know just start to give you some incredible horsepower in how you analyze problems and, and whatever else but if you don't have the top level um, highlights or insights mm. or whatever you know whatever you have then the information isn't structured and it just becomes overwhelming and mm. it, 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 more just is more confusing mm. absolutely mm. how would you try and help a group of leaders you know a lot of organizations are talking about well our leaders need to be more digital savvy or mm. tech savvy or there's many words for this mm -hmm. um what does I mean, what does that actually mean? And, and if you were partnering with a business to help them do that, mm. how might you go yeah. help them? Yeah, no, that's a, it's a question that I, I ponder a lot. And we use the yeah. word data literate a lot, okay. which is, yes, which is data similar. Literacy, yep. um, to me, it's really just about leaders knowing what's possible. Like a, a basic level, and I, and I think you, you know, that's the first level of maturity and you, know, you can go all the way down to how you skill up the business and build analytical and digital capability and everything else to allow them to self-serve. But as a starting point, and particularly at the leader level, they just need to know, like exactly as you said, to ask the questions and to be able to engage the right people who can help them. So you know, we have a lot of leaders at, at West Track that are on that, on that journey and they what what i try to do is get my team engaged with them business partnering with them working with them just so they can actually see what's possible and i think that's why lots of businesses on this journey it takes so long to get started like to do one or two of your first kind of data or digital initiatives can take five ten years because 
there's just not the knowledge of what can be. Mm. But then when leaders see, oh, you know, over in that area, they use this to make that decision. And we saw that that was such a um, huge benefit them. Oh, we put this um, robotic process automation over here and that really streamlined that process and freed up those mm. people. Um, oh, you know, look look at this dashboard even that they've built and, and how incredible would it be if we could turn what we're doing in, into that. And there's a, often a big gap of even knowing that those things exist that are possible and, and mm. you know I have that gap in many ways you know there's many companies in the world that are doing um so many things that I'm not even aware you know no, sorry, I'm not even aware of but that's the challenge I think this is the area that mm. moves so fast that you just we just want to make sure that people are learning constantly what is possible mm. um so that they aren't you know always going back to the the non-digital and slow mm. and manual way of doing things um, yeah that, that. and I guess the next generations coming th through the workforce won't even think that it's not possible they would just assume that there's technology solutions out there mm -hmm. that somebody's doing this somewhere in the world so let's explore so there's a new generation coming through isn't there that might be exactly already and I, kind of go well don't tell me it's not possible that might be their view. Yeah, and I think that that is such a huge opportunity. Mm. And uh, I've heard, you know, of reverse mentoring where you team yeah. up those kind of digital experts with with leaders, and mm. you know, you're both educating the leader on on the digital and data and what could be possible, but also sending that message around, you know, growth mindset, and we can always continue to mm. learn no matter what level we're at. But yeah, no, I definitely think that the the future generation will be a huge part of. Uh, you know, the digital transformation and how we move forward and just starting to spread that, spread that knowledge and know-how through our organisations. And so what's your vision for where your, you know, folks in your kinds of roles might take organisations? You know, what, what is possible, I suppose? Yeah. <laughs> so it, it's such a big, mm, <laughs> such a big, big question. Big question. Uh, and uh, the reason I love this area so much is because I think, to me, it is the biggest opportunity to realise value. Uh, and that can be challenging because it's not necessarily, you can't traditionally necess um, do a, a model that shows, you know, you do this and it, it leads to that. Uh, and that's why I think I find, you know, from having a, a data and commercial background, I find this area so, so fascinating. Um, but I think it's an absolute transformation of, of the customer experience and we have mm. to think of that first. Uh, but I think about you know, how things work at the moment and how we're slowed down by our internal processes and the fact that often people have to go to th you know, four or five and, and they may be digital but they may be other areas to get information for the customers. It takes us um, you know, all time to, to bring what this uh, so silo but this team over here is doing with what this team is doing. And we, we do all that stuff and we, we um, are very focused, West Track Caterpillar is very focused on the total cost of ownership and, and making sure that we're always improving, uh, you know, the productivity, availability of the machines. But it takes so much time and effort. And if we can digitise that and, you know, make data available to people where they need it, where they want it, as part of the process, it just allows us to spend so much more time focusing on the actual problem rather than all the manual admin mm. bits and pieces that, that take up, and West Track is by no means um, unique in this, but take up the bulk, I think, of so many mm. people's time. Uh, so that's what is exciting to me. I think it 
you mentioned earlier about some of the change management of um, people worrying about their jobs and, and mm. everything like that. But most of this is actually, it's taking away the low value. It's taking away the, the boring work, the stuff that I, I, I couldn't do. I think a lot of people couldn't do that they hate doing that they have to do mm. to get to the really fun, awesome parts of their job, which is working with customers generally in helping them solve their biggest problems. Uh, so, you know, that that's pretty high level and I can get into maybe some of the specifics if you want of what of what Westrack's um, vision is, you know, across, uh, we think about service parts, new machines. Mm. Um, but, you know, at a high level, it's, it's taking away the low value mm. activities to try and, you know, allow us to spend more time on, on helping our customers mm. with what's most important to them. And when you describe it like that, I can't understand why people wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> so you, you, you explain it well for both internal folks and for the external customer because there's an upside for both. Yeah, it is. It's both yeah. customer and, and employee experience for sure. Now, I, one of my areas of passion is, is seeing more women in STEM professions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, what's your view on, you know, STEM <laughs> education? How can we get more women in those professions? Yeah, I, I think this is, is tricky. It's, it's, mm. it's, and it's similar to the problems we have in mm. male-dominated industries. My um, husband's actually a maths teacher, so this is a conversation we, we have often over a glass of wine. And, you know, some of the problems are so cultural and so systemic mm. that it's, it, it sometimes feels a little bit, uh, you know, if not um, hopeless, certainly very, very hard. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, and it, you know, it's amazing how many parents still have different expectations for their, their daughters versus their sons. Uh, and, you know, that's at probably the, 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 I'll say the awful end of the scale. But there's even, you know, the benign comments uh, that it's just so common where um, mums and women will say, oh, you know, she's just not very good at maths like me. And they're trying to be kind, but they're, you know, again, playing into those stereotypes. I think that there's some really promising, I'll, I'll say, research that suggests this is a this is the place to start. We can actually make some big changes mm. in this area. So, you know, the one that I think is so important is telling girls that they are just as good. That the research shows that they, they can um, do maths, they can be, do science, that everything within the, is is within their reach, and just telling them that before tests, you know, has this significant impact on on how they perform, which is literally just before they do the test, which I find so fascinating and, and mm. positive um, that we could have an impact during that. And then, you know, some of the, f I guess, the, I say the friendly items, but the, the schools and universities, and I know they do a lot of this now, so I think that, like you said about the next generation, mm. making it more accessible for women, so not just relying on that, oh, you know, my dad was in um, a maths career or, or a science, whatever it might be. Um, and I guess those informal networks and expectations and, and widening that and having, you know, a lot of introduction courses and including some of those stuff early in degrees and that type of thing mm. has, has shown to have a really big impact in bringing more women into, in, into STEM. Uh, so I think, yeah, the, I, I know some um, large organisations are really trying to play a bigger part in that mm. as they go, oh, well, yeah. how do we solve our, our yeah. um, diversity or women in uh in industry piece, starting with STEM, I think is a is a really mm. um, great idea. But yeah, I don't I don't 
it's a big yeah, problem. It's a big it's problem. A very big problem. <laughs> yeah. Got to start somewhere though. Yeah. Um, so look, you've had just such an interesting career, and that commercial, you know, that commercial lens as well as the data is a really wonderful combination. Mm. Um, I'm wondering, if, you know, reflecting now back on your career and you look at your younger self, mm. what advice would you give her? Yeah, um, <laughs> it's a hard one, but I think the the if I think maybe about my regrets, um, it's probably keeping the people who supported me and, and mentored me and helped me throughout my career a bit closer. Mm. Um, I've had so much support and um, I've been so lucky to have people, you know, wherever I've been to be able to turn to, to help me, to sponsor me, you know, all the things that um, I could never have got where I am without all of that. And I, you know, I look back and there's so many people from the past. I'm like, I haven't spoken to them in, in years. And sometimes I think, oh, I, would, I wish I maintained those relationships. Mm. So it didn't feel like such a big thing, you know, two or three years later to go, oh, you know, can you help? And now I uh, have mentees and I think some of them are a lot better at, at keeping in contact and engaging me. And I think what held me back and, and still does to some extent is I felt like a burden. I didn't mm. want to, uh, you know, these the, are generally people who were above me in organisations and I didn't want to waste their time as, as I saw it. But now uh, I have the opportunity to, to mentor uh, other people. I know it's not at all like that. Like there's just as much in it for me and what I mean in terms of joy mm. and learning and all of that, that good stuff. Um, so I, I guess, you know, for my, for my past self and also my current self, I, you know, or want to make the most of those those type of relationships. I think that they're, they're so important and kind of taking us back to where we started in, yeah. in how you fit in and, and feeling feeling a part of it um, and building yeah those connections at work is, is really important. Fantastic. Great advice for people <laughs> starting out in their career. Look, I've loved chatting with you and thank you so much for your honesty and <laughs> for your... your um, yeah, making the digital world really simple, so I understand a lot more. <laughs> so thank you very much no, for the chat. I've enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me again. <laughs>